and welcome to Nitty Gritty Reviews, the movie review podcast that uses a unique grid rating system to discuss a movie's weaknesses and celebrate its strengths. I'm Rachel, and I'm super excited today as my co-host, Dustin, from the TV and Film Throwbacks with D podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about Leon the Professional, the 1994 action thriller Written and directed by Luke Bassone and starring Gene Reno. Not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I feel like there's probably some accents in there. Uh, Gary Holdman and, of course, Natalie Portman in her film debut. Uh, so per IMDb, in Leon the Professional, Matilda, a 12-year-old girl, is reluctantly taken in by Leon, a professional assassin, after her family is murdered. Leon and Matilda form an unusual relationship and she becomes his protege and learns the assassin's trade. So this is going to be a deep dive, nitty gritty review, which means we're going to be going through the gritty film's grid rating system to talk about and analyze this movie, talk about what works and maybe what doesn't. If anyone listening is interested in learning more about the grid rating system, you can go on over to grittyfilms.com slash the grid, and that's grittyfilms spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films.com. Uh, so before we dive into the grid, I usually like to talk a little bit about uh, just kind of our uh, experiences with the movie, uh, any kind of history or expectations. Um, so this was actually one that uh, when we decided to collaborate, you had suggested we do, and I was super excited because it was one that I had wanted to do for season two and couldn't get anyone to have uh, any interest in it. So I was really excited that that you had suggested it. So what were some of your um initial expectations or, or memories or what have you um, that made you choose this one or suggest it? Well, just uh, in conversation with you, you had mentioned that you really liked Natalie Portman's work. And this is one of the first things I really remember seeing her in. And I really enjoyed this movie as a kid watching it, probably in 95, 96, a uh, year or two after it came out. And was just instantly just in love with the movie itself, but also her performance. Absolutely. And this was one, I didn't see it when it was new, but I saw it probably for the first time maybe a couple years ago, sometime within the last five years-ish. Like you said, I'm a big Natalie Portman fan. I definitely, um, pretty much any movie she's in, I'll watch it. There are a few here and there I haven't gotten around to. Um, but this was definitely one that I that I have seen specifically to see her in it, and uh, it didn't disappoint. It's it's a phenomenal film, um, and I'm excited to uh, to dive in and, and talk about it. Um, so before we get into the grid, also I wanted to ask. I should have asked this sooner. Uh, I didn't think about it until I sat down to watch it this morning. But did you watch the uh, the extended edition or the theatrical cut? I did watch the extended. Okay, good. Me too. <laughs> I was reading about a lot of the differences in case that wasn't the case, but I think that's generally considered to be the more official version, so that was what I went with as well. Yeah, I only recently added this to my collection when we kind of started to throw this into motion. It's something that's been missing from my collection and much needed. Perfect. thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I actually uh, recently got it as well. It came out with the... uh, Steelbook Collector's Edition, I was pretty excited about. I just recently discovered Steelbooks, so. Oh, they're great. Yeah. Good good addition for any collector. <laughs> uh, all right, so then on that note, uh, are we ready to dive on into the grid? Uh, I think so. All right. Uh, so the first category of the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. 
Um, is there anything for you that sticks out either for better or for worse with this category? I guess I really like the pace of the whole movie. Absolutely. It, it seemed to just flow really well, even with the extended cut. I mean, I've seen other movies where the extended cuts are, they kind of maybe add a little too much and maybe make the movie drag a little bit. And yeah. I don't think it impacted this in any regard. And just, I don't know, I just really enjoy this movie a lot. So a few extra minutes of uh, content is great for me. Absolutely. I do think uh, one of the weaker scores for me came with the genre cliches, tropes, and twists, which is only for one very specific reason. Because in general, this movie does a really phenomenal job of, like it, I mean, it's basically an action movie. But it, it does a lot of really interesting things within that genre, and um, definitely the action is more more in the in the backgrounds than most action movies where where it's all about the action. Uh, but it got a little bit of a lower score for me, primarily because of Gary Oldman's character, and I'm probably in the minority there. But he was so over the top, and we'll get more into that in the next category, which is writing characters. But as far as the the genre cliches go. I had a hard time getting past him. He just seemed like a, like a spoof of a character to me. But okay. I think I'm in. I think I'm in the minority there, though. <laughs> you may be. Yeah. See, my highest score by far um, was the character outer goals. I did think this movie did a really good job of letting the audience know exactly what every character is trying to do without over-explaining anything. Did a, a really nice job of that, I thought. That they did. Did you have any any low scores or anything that was at least lower than, than anything else? No, not really. Uh, I think everything's pretty even for me. Fair enough. Yeah, mine were pretty much all between, between a seven, which was for the genre cliches and tropes, um, and then 9.5 was for character outer goals. So all pretty much within the same within the same range, nothing too low. Um, all pretty strong. I thought this was a definitely a strong script overall. How did you feel about the about the plot structure, just kind of more generally speaking? I thought that the plot as a whole was pretty good. Um, I felt that I could have used a little bit more around the beginning part with uh, Matilda's parents and why her dad was mixed in with Gary Oldman's character. Well, that was about it, though, really. I just feel like a f couple minutes maybe outlining there. That's fair. I could see that. Other than that, though, I think that, I mean, it was just, it was strong all the way through. It was even, like, 14, 15-year-old me watching this movie, I was just taken back by all of it. I think the Luke did a great job with the writing and the directing and everything like that, and the characters came together really well. Absolutely. All right. Well, was there anything else, uh, anything else you'd like to add for writing plot and genre, or should we give our total scores for that category? Uh, we can go with total scores. All right. Uh, what was your total score then for writing plot and genre? Uh, it was a five point nine five. Okay. I went quite a bit higher <laughs> than you on that one. Probably most Natalie Portman movies, I tend to get a little on the generous side just because I I love <laughs> her so much, and I I really enjoy all, pretty much all of her movies. Uh, but I gave the plot and genre a 8.1 for this one. Okay. All right, so that's going to bring us to writing characters. And this one, I do think it's uh, something that's worth talking about 
uh, right at the top of the category is how we feel about the the relationship between Matilda and Leon because man it toes the line between is this is is this a good relationship or is this icky and bad so um and I even just throughout the course of the movie I had a really hard time being like I I don't know how I feel about this <laughs> it it definitely definitely was on the line there there's no question it could have gone one scene more and it would have gone straight into the the icky side of things oh yeah um I definitely did like his facial expressions and reactions to some of the comments that she would make um, yeah. during the game that they were playing to help with the memory or whatever. And when she said she was in love with him and stuff like that, the way he reacted was, I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. I really liked just kind of in general, like the, there was a quote where uh, Leon says something about like, oh, I need, I think I need time to grow up a little bit or something like that. Yeah. And and her response is like, oh, I'm done growing. Now I just get older. It's like, well, I'm the opposite. Like, I'm older and now I need to grow up. Um, so I did think that there was a nice, um, a nice balance between their relationship there as far as like, uh, like she, she knows what she wants and she, or she thinks she knows what she wants and she has this version of reality in her head as far as like, like, well, I'm an adult now because X, Y, and Z. Whereas he has this version of events like, well, I'm stuck in this uh, like state of arrested development because of X, Y, and Z. Um, so I thought that they they towed that line well enough and they made it, um, it, it was very understandable why she feels the way that she feels. I did think they could have done, um, I just want to say they, I, I really just mean Luke Besson. I, I think he could have done a little bit of a better job as far as as his reactions like the, the performance was phenomenal and it did carry that like humor across that that saved right. it from getting icky but i feel yeah. like he could have done a better job of explaining like no you're 12 this isn't appropriate like i'm an adult and you're a child and and that was never really voiced um which i think is a big part of of why i felt that like eh, this is still icky even though they're not doing anything right <laughs> so, so close so yeah, close though. so yeah really toes that line i still really like the movie it doesn't it doesn't take it to the point where i'm like ooh i can't even just i can't even like the movie cuz it just gets icky like it, yeah. it stays clear of that line in a really interesting way but right. it's it's close <laughs> does the the difference between 1994 mentality and 2018, does that change the, the, the perspective on that, do you think? I'm sure it does. I'm trying to remember how I felt about it when I first saw it. Um, I think as a teenager, when I first saw it, I was just kind of like, oh, this is kind of weird, but, you know, not, not anything more than that, but now in my 30s and a parent and stuff like that i'm just like damn right uh huh feeling a little i need to go take a shower here i'm almost a little dirty just watching this yeah exactly and i think also knowing a little bit about about luke Besson's personal life which a lot of that like a lot of it has been known for a while just that he's not the greatest person but then i feel like more has come out since the more like 2018 mindset as you put it like I think 
more details keep slipping through. It's like, ooh, this is like too close to reality potentially. And then it gets like a whole nother layer of ickiness. And it's like, eh, I just don't know. (laughs) Because that's another thing. I talked about it a little bit. I had reviewed uh, The Fifth Element and that came up also. Just like, oh, he's just a gross human and it makes me unhappy that he makes good movies because it does yes i i struggle with supporting people like that yeah it's definitely definitely a struggle um and one that everybody needs to find their own line i suppose but right yeah that's definitely definitely came up in my thought process when watching this movie of like man if i didn't know as much about luke Besson before going into it i probably would like it more, but I still like the movie. Right. I don't know. It's a circular trap my brain gets stuck in. <laughs> it, it is, though. It's true. I mean, you know, and especially when uh, Natalie Portman's character, she went down to the hotel desk and she told the clerk at the counter that he's not my father. He's my lover. Yeah, and his reaction was just to kick them out. I was like, he didn't call the cops? <laughs> but, you know. yeah but yeah have you ever seen the um the theatrical cut i don't think i think i saw the extended version both times i've seen this movie and i'm wondering how much that changes uh, i've seen it but it has been it's been a long time yeah because i know that's like the the main difference between the theatrical and the extended versions is that in the theatrical version they take out a lot of the subtext and uh more of the the icky scenes, as I guess we're phrasing it, um, to kind of tone down the aspect of the film. And on the one hand, I'm like, maybe I would like that more. But then on the other hand, it's like, but that's not really what the movie is. So it's right. it's a back and forth. It's a struggle with this movie for me. Yeah. I do think to its credit, um, character likability, I still get It's still the lowest score within this category, just because the, the characters I thought were very strong throughout. But... Um, for character likability with a movie like this, it easily could have just been to where you just don't like any of the characters. It's like, oh, these characters are just awful people. What is even happening? Um, but I thought they did a, a really, again, I keep saying they, Luke Vasone, I thought he did a really good job of balancing, I guess, the character of Leon to where he, you know, he's, he's childlike enough that their relationship seems innocent. And then in the scenes right. where it could get not innocent, he's adult enough to like stop anything from happening so there was like a a very fine line I guess with his character as far as acting like a child or acting like an adult and I thought that that really contributed to his his character like ability overall because he easily like I said could have just been a a gross awful human being and he's actually really likable throughout the whole movie he is he is definitely likable he's just he's good at what he does but it's just a a nice Simple man. Yeah. So what was your your highest score within the, the writing characters section, out of curiosity? Um, character arcs. I gave that a nine. All right. Uh, mostly just, I guess with Leon's character, just watching him grow as kind of a family man in a way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Was not anything that I was ever expecting to see. Yeah, I love his his speech at the end where he's talking about like, oh, I want to grow roots now. I want to sleep in a bed. And you know, he gives the whole speech about how he's 
you know, he wants to live an actual life now. Um, I thought that was a really great, uh, a really great way to end that character arc without being too over the top. Like it fit the moment really well, but it really, really just closed that arc or, or ended that arc, I guess. Um, yeah. And just his delivery of it was just great too. It oh just yeah. fit his character. Absolutely. I thought my highest was actually tied between uh, character arcs and dialogue. Both of those I gave 8.5s um, for pretty much all the same reasons. The dialogue, I considered going a little bit lower because it wasn't the most realistic dialogue in the world, but it, it fit the characters still and it fit the universe because this also isn't the most realistic universe ever that they set up. It, uh, you know, like, the, like Gary Oldman's character is so over the top. And, um, yeah. you know, the action, like, the, there's there's no way he could have taken out as many agents as he took out with one person against, like, 200 men. Like, you know, it's just, it goes so over the top and, and isn't the most realistic. So I felt okay giving dialogue a little bit of a higher score, even though, like, especially with, with the character of Matilda, most of the things coming out of her mouth, even with the life that she, she led, which is obviously not a typical life for a 12-year-old, like right. I don't really feel like that's something a 12 year old would say but I still liked it and I still gave it a high score because yeah. I thought it worked really well I gave it a, a seven for dialogue okay yeah I, I couldn't get past the uh the beginning part when he was going to kill the fat man or going to visit the fat man rather yeah and what the heck did he say he's like there's someone coming and he's serious Oh, yeah. I couldn't tell. Like, I, I honestly couldn't tell if that was, like, supposed to be funny or not. <laughs> so I'm like, eh, I don't I just, know. I couldn't get past that. I was just shaking my head the whole time. Like, yeah. That dialogue just seems and screams, like, late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, that's fair. Other than that, I thought that the, the dialogue throughout was pretty good. and um, Definitely agree with um, Matilda's being a little over the top yeah right. well was there anything else you would like to add for for writing characters no not really i think that's that's good there um that takes care of all of my notes as well what was your final score then for writing characters 8.05 okay i was a little lower than you on this one uh, i was 7.8 for me okay all right so then that's going to bring us to acting and casting which i think is going to be a really fun one to talk about for this category we have obviously natalie portman um, Gary Oldman giving a very Gary Oldman performance, and then uh, Gene Reno. That can't be how you pronounce his name. It's got to have some accents in there. Um, I think it's John Reno, maybe. John? John that Reno? sounds right. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is John. So how do you, I feel like I, I have very strong feelings about Gary Oldman, so I'm very curious to, as a, as a jump-in point, to hear, hear your thoughts, because I, I know I'm in the minority with my feelings on him. Uh, so how did you feel about his performance? Uh, I mean, with this being one of the first things I think I'd ever seen Gary Oldman in, I didn't mind it. Time, years later, watching Gary Oldman throughout the years and different characters. This one here, I mean, it really is kind of over the top and just kind of sucked. Yeah. I know the thing about Gary Oldman, he's very... I've only seen him in a few things, to be fair. So maybe I'm I'm being too harsh, but... I mean, he's very, he's very good at the physical acting. He definitely has a strong physical presence. And that's true in this one also. It just didn't 
fit with anything else around him. Like, like I mentioned before, he felt like, like a, uh, like a spoof, like he belonged in like a, a parody of a diehard movie or, or in a kid's movie that's like making fun of action movies. Obviously not with the same dialogue, but that, like that type of performance just felt like almost comical. And I think it's just because it didn't fit with anything else. It's not that he was necessarily bad. It was just bad within the context of the movie. Because, like, uh, Fifth Element is one of the only other things I've seen him in, I think. And that one, I still thought it was way too over the top and didn't necessarily care for him. But it fit. Because that whole movie's like, a live-action cartoon. So it made sense. I was like, okay, I get what's happening here. And he was just... Uh, I, I didn't like him in this movie. So that hurt my scores a little bit throughout. Yeah. But on the flip side of that, you do have a 12-year-old Natalie Portman being ridiculously talented for a 12-year-old. Not even just oh, for a 12-year-old, sure. just for an actor. It's just a phenomenal performance there. Yeah, it is definitely not something that you would expect out of a 12-year-old but to be front and center for how much of the movie, too. And she did just an incredible job. Absolutely. So I did give... The only perfect 10 I gave to anything in the whole movie was for casting main characters, which was largely because it was Natalie Portman's first movie. And to cast her at such a young age and have it work out so perfectly and then to spark the career it did, I couldn't see giving giving that one any lower than a perfect 10. <laughs> I gave that an 8. That's fair. I think that her and uh, Jean Reno were definitely great casting choices. Absolutely. I, just, I, I maybe take it down a little bit because of Gary Oldman's yeah, unlikability, I guess, in that role. Yeah. I guess I was considering him a secondary character, even though, I mean, he's the main villain. I guess he would be yeah. primary. Eh. I kind of considered the three of those as the mains. Yeah, that's fair. I think I just didn't want to knock down the casting main characters. <laughs> fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But I did give, for casting secondary characters, I gave that a seven, which was largely for Gary Oldman, even though I think you're right in considering him a, a main character. But I didn't want to knock down that the other categories. So. With with putting him in as a main, I gave secondary characters a 4.5. Okay. Everybody was pretty interchangeable. Or not interchangeable, yeah. but like, like, oh, anybody could play them. Right. So what was your, was that your lowest score? Or did anything fall lower than that? Uh, that was definitely my lowest score. Yeah. I didn't dip quite that low, but I did give extras and tertiary characters a 6. Um, which is largely for the same reason, just everybody seemed pretty replaceable. Um, I'm actually not sure why I didn't dip down a little bit lower looking at it now. I mean, I didn't think any of the performances were bad. I just, maybe the casting was not particularly inspired. Right. What was your, what was your highest score out of curiosity? Uh, main characters. Okay. And that was with an eight? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, was there anything else you wanted to add for this category? That takes care of my notes. I think just uh, his uh, Leon's friend slash boss. Oh yeah, Tony. we didn't talk about him at all. Yeah. Um, I think I think he did good. I mean, he he 
just kind of delivered lines is all he really did. He didn't do anything else, really, I guess. But Yeah. Um, of the, like, secondary characters and stuff, I would say he was by far the best. Yeah, I would agree with that. He did a good job. A lot of this comes with the writing, too, but just as far as the, the combination of the writing and then the performance, like, it was a really good job of, like... Like, well, I mostly don't trust this guy, but also maybe he's just a good guy that's, like, in an iffy trade. <laughs> it's like, like the right. whole, like, oh, I'm going to keep your money and then just give it to you as you ask for it. Like, that's a pretty sketchy thing, and he probably doesn't even have the money. But then on the other hand, I'm like, but he, he seems he seems pretty believable. So yeah. maybe, like, they did a good job of, like, like, I can't tell how untruthful this guy is if he's, like, completely lying and doesn't even have the money or if he actually, like, is, thinks he's doing a favor and thinks this is the best way to go about things. And maybe it is the best way to go about things. I mean, going to a bank probably isn't a very good option for a hitman, I would imagine. I Yeah, I think that it probably was the best option for Leon to do is, is keep the money with Tony. I just don't know that Tony, I mean, he seemed really questionably trustful, trustworthy yeah. and really shady at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that leaving, I mean, Leon, he seemed like a real simple kind of guy and he'd probably leave all that money in his apartment. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. I don't know what he would do with it. I didn't even know that he would do anything with it. Like, he really just seems like, I mean, he just needs money for rent. And milk. <laughs> yeah, rent and milk and a little bit of food here and there. And, yeah. and the man was good. I mean, he didn't need anything else, really. I mean, he was he was living a satisfied life. Yeah. He slept in a chair very comfortably for a very long time. Yeah, I can't even imagine sleeping, sitting up. That just doesn't even seem like a good idea. <laughs> All right, well, should we give our total scores then for acting and casting? We can definitely do that. All right, what was your total score? Uh, total score was a 6.05. All right, and mine was a 7.4. All right, so that's going to bring us to cinematography and lighting. This one I don't really have any notes for, but I gave very high scores to. <laughs> and it's one of those movies where everything just looked really good. Yeah, yeah I think <laughs> that a lot of that helped. I mean, they just shot a lot of their scenes really during the day yeah so they had just had a lot of natural lighting yeah which i think luke Besson he does that in a lot of his movies where it's like it's usually action movies are like dark and gritty and always yeah. at night and he tends to to do things during the day which is just different and refreshing and and just makes things look nice that really is his thing though isn't it yeah now that i think about it hmm I really don't have any specific notes. I feel bad. I gave everything nines down the line. I gave very high scores, um, but don't really have anything specific to talk about. Uh, I did really like, uh, I guess just as a specific example of, of why I liked the lighting so much. In the beginning, like that opening fight scene, and he's like taking everybody out one by one, and then he, he comes up behind the guy with a knife and then like... You know, it's like the, he just comes out of the shadows. You just see the knife, and then he slowly emerges. Um, I thought that was shot really, really well. And then at the end of that confrontation, he just, like, slips back into the shadows. Yes. I liked that quite a bit. That was very cool. 
How about you? Was there any scene that stood out in particular as as looking really good or, or just something you liked within this category? Uh, I would say probably that same scene and then maybe the uh, scene at the end when he got uh, Gary Oldman's cop buddy. Oh, yeah. Cards or whatever they were doing and talking at the table and he just kind of came in, shot a couple of guys and then rolled between the the shelving and snuck about. Yeah. I think the fight scenes in general were just, um, like the, the camera work and everything was really good, which we'll get to next. But the, just the lighting even within those, like you were saying, was just really, really well done in ways that I think get ignored in a lot of action movies, it seems. Um, yeah, I really liked the lighting. I think that it, it kind of, it does give a different perspective when it's done during the day. I think that's a big you're part right, of it. A lot of, a lot of action movies are done, whether it's at night or a, a darker area or whatever. But Luke definitely does a bulk of his action sequences during the day. And I like that. I do too. I don't think I realized how much I did like it until just now, but it's definitely different. Yeah. And especially for, like, even, like, now in 2018, it's different. But especially in the in the 90s, I feel like when, you know, like, you had Die Hard in, what was it, 88? And then action movies got really big after that. And, yeah. I mean, it was definitely a predominant genre, even more so than it is now, I feel like. Um, so then to have him come in and do something different within this very popular genre. Yeah, it's interesting. And I it worked out really well. I think that's one of the reasons why these movies have the, the cult impact that they do. It's just because they were different, especially for the time. I'm trying to think I of... Think, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I was trying to think of what else he's done. He did this and Fifth Element, and then he's done a couple things recently. I can't think of anything else he's done. But sorry, what were you going to say? That was just a random thought. <laughs> uh, I think I think that this, this movie here actually aged pretty well. Oh, yeah. Much better than Fifth well. Element. Yeah. I think it's because it's just... Going back to, to the writing, I guess, with just the the focus on characters, which I think is really uncommon for, for action movies. So you have, you know, it's all about the characters and you have the, the lighting looks different because, you know, there's so much taking place during the daytime. Um, so it just gives it a freshness to it, I guess, that that is just different and stands the test of time, I guess, better than, than say, The Fifth Element, which is very visually appealing but very stuck in the 90s yeah was there anything else you would like to add for cinematography lighting i i think we covered it i think that they they did a really good job with it all the way around absolutely Uh, so what was your your total score then uh even with sounding as pleased as i am i only gave him a seven okay that's fair though um i came out to an even nine um i gave nines across the board uh, so that's going to bring us to cinematography camera work. Um, so I have pretty similar scores down the line too. Um, I definitely like, especially at the towards the beginning of the movie, the amount of extreme close-ups I thought was really interesting, and like you know the the reflections in his glasses that he wears. So you've got like an extreme close-up on his face, then you can see what he's seeing through the reflections. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff going on, primarily in the first act, but 
I thought there was some some interesting stuff going on in that regard. Yeah, I definitely I thought that the camera work was really good. The the close ups, the the angles, the just the different shots that they had. They did a really good job all the way around with it. Absolutely. So I feel like, and even with uh, with the different fight scenes and whatnot, as well, the, the camera work was was consistent. It didn't. I don't feel like it changed any. Absolutely, yeah. This is another category I gave really high scores to. <laughs> I'm trying to think of specific examples. Um, most of the things that really stand out were towards the beginning of the movie. I think. I mean, you had things like the. Uh, the long camera movement shot of the like the pan over the city as the opening credits roll that stood out as as interesting. And then all the close ups and uh, the Matilda's introduction where it's the you see the staircase and then it pulls up and then you see yes. her sitting on the stairs. I thought that was some some really great camera work in there. Um, yeah, I thought something else would come to me. <laughs> I mean, I gave good good scores across the board on it, uh, a lot of eights and high sevens, but nothing really, I mean, stands out other than just kind of some of the shots like we talked about. Yeah, it's kind of uh, the same boat I'm in. Um, it's always a shame. It's so easy to, to find something you don't like and, and talk about it in detail. And when it's something with high scores, it's like everything was really good, but um, that's just the way it is sometimes, I guess, because that's... Yeah. Uh, that's same here. I gave um, eights and nines down the line. Um, yeah, I thought everything looks really nice. <laughs> Should we give our final scores then? I feel bad having such a short category, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they did a good job, though. I mean, I really do. I think they did a, a really good job with the camera work. Yeah. The, the close-ups, the, and especially like that, like you said, that introduction to Matilda sitting underneath the railing there at the top of the stairs. Yeah. Some really cool angles and stuff like that. Just really gave a good feel to it. Like it wasn't going to be an action movie. It had a lot of story to it and good angles to the camera work. Yeah. Uh, but I gave a 7.8 for my final on that. All right. Uh, mine was an 8.3. All right, so that's going to bring us to editing and special effects. Yeah, I guess special effects is a pretty easy one to jump into. Um, so with a movie like this, I mean, there was some explosions and some fires, a lot of gunshots. So there were special effects in there. Many or possibly all of them were practical, I'm sure, uh, being 1994. So I'm not sure how much of that is really fair to categorize within this category, but... Um, I thought everything looked pretty good, especially the fires, which I feel like are really easy to get bad. <laughs> it's, uh... Yeah, for sure. I think even just like with the the gunfights and the explosions, a lot of what I think of from like that period with the late eighties, early nineties, mid nineties, even with the explosions and stuff, they're always over the top. Yeah. And typically just ridiculous. Absolutely. And I think they they kept these, I mean, I'm not an explosives expert, but I think they did a great job with them and kept them practical and in line. Absolutely. I agree. How did you feel about the montages in this movie? There were two. You have the one where she's training and it's weirdly set to a Bjork song. 
And then there's one where they're uh, going to all the houses to like practice, and it's like the you know putting the gum over the people and knocking on the door. I think I like that one the probably the best. Yeah. And it, I just thought it was like when they got broke into the first one, and they're standing there six, seven, eight feet away from the guy, and he goes against the window, and he's like, "All right, now just just aim it at him and and pull the trigger." And, he yeah. squirts him with some some paint. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like he's mumbling to himself, like, "What the hell is going on? What, what is this?" Yeah. And I thought that was just kind of a a softer side, a little comical aspect. Yeah. And then Leon shot him anyways. Yeah. And then they were gonna leave, and she was going to torch the drugs, and Leon was, "What are you doing?" Like, no women, no kids. Where do you think these drugs are going? So then she torched the drugs, and then they left. Yeah, that was a great scene. I really liked that one. I also thought the, um, just the the movement in general, as far as, like, the fight scenes and the action scenes, I thought those were cut really well. And then just the, the pace was just, especially, like you said, at the beginning, like, considering this is an extended version, you would think it would drag a little bit at times, and it really didn't. The pace was pretty solid throughout um so i thought the editing uh, pretty much across the board was was pretty solid i agree for sure because i mean i've seen i've watched some movies here recently even where they're a little over 90 minutes and they feel like three hours yeah there are definitely some out there for sure and this one here was just over two hours i think i think so yeah and it, it i mean it's it's just such a smooth moving great flowing movie i really feel like i'm sitting down for maybe 90 minutes or so absolutely i felt the same way i looked at the runtime i was like over two hours really like it felt like you know maybe an hour 45 but yeah not yeah, over maybe. two hours yeah. yeah yeah i think it was like 212 or something like that i think so yeah i think the story and just all of it just progressed really well all the way through start to finish and just kept you kept you engaged yeah. Whether it was whether it was just the storytelling aspect of it, and then it would lead into some action sequences, and then back to some story development and whatever, and they just they kept you engaged the entire time. Absolutely. So, was there anything within the the editing and special effects category that scored lower for you, or was everything pretty strong? Uh, everything was pretty strong for me. I I really I think they did a really really good job with it just making each scene just flow so well yeah i really don't have anything anything negative to say within this category everything was pretty strong for me as well um was there anything you want to add or should we give our totals for this one uh i'm good i'm good we can definitely go to the totals all right uh what was your total score for editing special effects editing i gave an eight all right and i was a 7.7 very close on that one all right so that's going to bring us to sounds I do think for me the one thing that stood out the most was the two the two songs that were used. You have the the Bjork song during one of the montages, and then uh, was that a Sting song during the end? I didn't even catch that. Okay, let me look it up. I'm so bad with music, so that could be way off. But let's see. It was "Shape of My Heart" by Sting played in the end credits. Which wasn't necessarily a bad choice. It was just kind of jarring when we didn't really have, you know, any kind of like, there was a score certainly throughout, but not really 
soundtrack type songs and then you have a Bjork montage and then Sting playing in the end credits I thought was was a little bit odd. Yeah, that's definitely not a choice to close it out. Yeah. Was there anything that, that stood out for you within this category? Not really, no. Um, I think just the, the sound and the score is kind of just what I expect out of a 90s action movie. That's fair. I did give scores in a lot of these categories that are a little bit on the higher side, largely because I think for me, for action movies, I expect the sound design to be pretty unbalanced. I feel like most sound designs and sound mixes for for action movies especially, and especially in the 90s, it's like, you know, the, the constant struggle of like, oh, there's gunfire, gotta turn the volume down. Okay, now there's talking, turn the volume up. <laughs> it's like the, the yo-yoing. <laughs> and I didn't feel like that was a problem at all. I had the volume at a, at a consistent height the whole time, and... And yeah. it was fine. Um, so I did give a little bit of a bump for that because I think I did have kind of low expectations for the the sound mix and the sound design. And uh, so in that regard, it exceeded it by being standard. <laughs> okay, that's, that's valid points. There's some valid points, though. You're right, though. A lot of those action movies from the 80s and into the 90s, it's definitely, uh, there's definitely an imbalance to it. Yeah, I thought I'd have a little bit more to say, but that about covers my notes for this category. Um, was there anything else you want to add? No, I'm good on that one. All right. Uh, what was your total score for sounds then? Uh, it's a 7.2. All right. Uh, very close on this one. Mine was a 6.9. So that's going to bring us to the aesthetics. Uh, do you have any any thoughts right off the bat on this one or anything that score either lower or higher than anything else? Not really. I think that the just their their clothing and everything that they were wearing throughout, I feel like was probably pretty fitting for early to mid nineties. Yeah. Uh, they just nothing fancy with it. Just you know, even Leon just had his his pants, his shirt, and his suspenders, and his long overcoat. Yeah. Which I feel like would probably be a little bit warm and somewhat <laughs> summer-ish time of the year. Yeah. Yeah, and with the hat and everything, that would... Yeah, right. I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> I saw kids playing outside in shorts and short shirts and whatever, and I thought, and he's walking around in this big old wool-heavy overcoat. <laughs> I did love that we have kind of like a... Almost like a uniform that he has when he goes out. Like, he's got the... As impractical as it may be, you know, he's got the the coat, he's got the glasses, he's got the hat, and then when you see him like just kind of hanging out at his house, he's you know much more simplified, I guess, or or just yeah. a more simple look, where it's just like I said, the suspenders, the shirt, pants. Uh, so I liked that. You know, he's not a superhero by by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even think you could quite call him an antihero, but he definitely has like a almost like a superhero uniform that he puts on when he goes out, which I thought was a nice touch of like, like, I don't even, I don't know how I'd classify him because he's not a hero, but he's not a no, villain. He's, he's just, uh, he's got a strict code of honor. I mean, yeah, I'll give him that, you know, he does only clean what he assumes is really bad people, but no women and no children. Yeah. 
And he definitely does need that that overcoat though, because it definitely conceals <laughs> the amount of uh, firepower and explosives that he has on him yeah. at any point during the day. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things about this movie, or at least one of my favorite little details, is the plant that gets toted around all over the place. I think that's just a great detail, and it tells you a lot about his character. And but it's also just a great visual aid, I guess, or just just a good prop throughout the movie. I love that plant. <laughs> his best friend. Yeah, although I do have a hard time believing that that plant is going to survive being planted in the ground. It did not look like the kind of plant that would just grow in New York, but maybe it no, maybe I, it'll be fine. <laughs> I don't know that it will. I think it's more of a a potted plant. Yeah. That needs that daily love and attention that Leon was giving it. Yeah. Still, it's a nice symbolic gesture to, to plant it, but she's going to be sad when winter comes around and it freezes. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Especially in New York. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanna wanted to add for the aesthetics? I guess not Not a whole lot. I mean, I mean it's just placed in uh, Little Italy in New York. I mean... I guess it's maybe a place I'd like to go see someday. But yeah. Get some good Italian food from a nice little restaurant on the corner or something. Yeah. Get a good slice. All right. Well, should we give our, our total scores then for, for aesthetics? Yeah, we can do that. All right. Uh, what was your total score? Uh, I gave it a 6.8. All right. Uh, mine came out to a 8.5. I <laughs> just 8.5s down the line for that one. Okay. All right. Nice. And that's going to bring us to impact on film, which is going to be divided up into critical impact, audience cult impact, and historical inspirational impact. Um, do you want to start with this one, or should I give mine? I'll I never. You, I'll <laughs> let you start it out on this one. All right. Uh, so for for critical impact, this one was a little bit tricky just because it's it's a little bit of an older film. Because usually I go to Metacritic and just take that score and divide it by 10. Um, and there is a Metacritic score for this one, but there's like 11 reviews or something like that. It's yeah, not. Yeah, there's not very many. Yeah. Um, so I just kind of looked around at a few different places and kind of read a couple reviews from the time. Um, and it seemed like it got pretty favorable reviews from a lot of critics, certainly more so in, in more recent years now that it's become a cult classic. At the time, it was a little more hit and miss. Um, but I went ahead and gave it an 8 out of 10 for for Critical Impact, just because it seems like critics typically really, really like it. Um, so that's that's why I gave it an 8 out of 10. <laughs> I gave that one a 7.5. Okay, very pretty much the Pretty much the same thing. Um, I looked at the Metacritic on IMDb. There wasn't, like you said, there was like around a dozen different yeah. there. Uh, so not a whole lot to work with there. And then I just kind of read reviews, you know, a couple of other sites, and it seems like it was pretty well liked at the time, but yet kind of under the radar at the same time. Yeah, that's definitely true, I think. Which is why I think it was able to achieve somewhat of a cult-like classic uh, status. Yeah. All right, so then for, for audience cult impact, I pretty much had the same... Same line of thought as the critical impact, um, but it looked like uh, from the from the places I looked, I looked around at, at the Metacritic audience score, Rotten Tomatoes audience score, um, and a few others as well. 
and and generally speaking, audiences really like it, and it's definitely uh, definitely a cult classic. Um, people who who like it really like it. So I gave it a nine out of ten for that one, which which might even be a little bit low. Um, yeah, maybe not. I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, it definitely has has a strong cult following. Um, so I went with a nine out of ten on that one. I did the same. I gave right. it a nine as well. Uh, pretty much for the same reasons. Yeah. All right, so then that's going to bring us to the historical and inspirational impact. This one I had a little bit of a hard time with. I really wanted to give it a really high score, um, especially since critical impact and audience and cult impact both got really high. Um, but I couldn't think of, of a lot of reasons to go to go too high with it. Um, I do think it had had an impact on like the action genre. I think there were a handful of, of action movies that came after it that were really inspired by it. Uh, but more so than that, I think it really kicked off a lot of careers. Uh, I mean, certainly Natalie Portman's was her first movie. And uh, Luc Besson, he did um, Nikita before this. So, I mean, this wasn't his debut movie, but I think it was a bigger hit than that one, maybe? I think it was definitely a bigger hit than, than La Femme Nikita. Okay. Um, so sure. it, Yeah, so it definitely, you know, definitely kicked off some careers. So I gave... I. As I'm talking about it out loud, I originally gave it a five, but I think I'm going to knock it up to a six, because um, I think it did it did a decent amount as far as you know inspiring filmmakers and then um, historical. In this instance, I guess I'm using as kicking off careers. So I'm going to go six out of ten for for historical inspirational. That is actually where I had mine was at a six. All right. Um, same thing as you were saying, uh, kicking off. Natalie Portman's career, and I think she's had a pretty damn good career. Oh, yeah. Um, Gary Oldman, he's gone on to better things than this performance here. Yeah. And, I mean, John Reno's had some things here in the States, but I think he's got larger stuff more over in Europe, more so than he does over here. Yeah, I think you're right. All right, well, we should be pretty close on those three then what did what did your uh three average out to for that one uh 7.5 okay and mine was a, a 7.67 all right so that's going to bring us to the the most fun category to talk about i think <laughs> that's going to be overall enjoyment so overall did you enjoy this movie i did even after all these years having i, I mean like i said the first time i watched it was year or two after it came out, so 95, 96, something like that. And then I've watched it a few times uh, since then, but I haven't watched it really in depth in probably 10, 15 years. And just sitting down, and I watched it twice this week just to make sure that I was not missing anything that could be of importance. Yeah. And I I really enjoyed the movie. I Like I said, start to finish... It's just engaging. It's got, it's got story. It's got action. It's got some good uh, fight sequences with with gunfighting, um, explosions. It's got what you'd expect from a '90s action movie, but it's got really good story to go along with it. Absolutely. Which is something you don't usually get from a action movie from that timepiece. Yeah. So what what score did you give it for for overall enjoyment out of ten? 8.5. All right. 
that is very close to mine. I gave it a 7.5. I definitely enjoyed this movie, and it's definitely one I would go back and watch again. I do think it would have gotten a higher score if it wasn't for that, the ick factor, or at least the, the ick adjacent. Um, I do find myself struggling with that, and uh, definitely took away from my enjoyment a little bit. Um, yes. So, you know, I easily could have gone probably easily an 8.5 or a 9 if it wasn't for that. But, I mean, that it is what it is. That's what the movie is. You know, it's, you yeah. know but, yeah, <laughs> it, it knocked it down a little bit. But I it definitely... Was, it was really the ick factor and then a couple of the dialogue points that dropped it down for me. Yeah, that's fair. Absolutely. But I do think, I mean, it's definitely... Definitely well acted, particularly from uh, from Reno and from from Portman, of course. And I love Natalie Portman, so it's it's fun going back and seeing her first performance. Um, is is interesting to do. So there's definitely, and the script is is strong aside from the ick factor. Like there's, it's definitely got a lot going for it. But it just, yeah, I couldn't quite couldn't quite categorize it as outstanding. For, for the reasons I've already said. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> That's, that is definitely fair. Yeah. That's definitely fair. But 7.5, that's, that's still strong. 7.5 is really good. Yeah. The ick factor is definitely really strong with this one. Yeah, unfortunately. And it was only in, what, like, really three scenes? Yeah. But holy crap, were they uh, powerful. Yeah. All right. Well, did you give this movie any extra credit? Um, I was actually curious what the what to do with that category there. <laughs> it's pretty much just a, a catch-all. If there's anything either that uh, isn't covered in any of the categories that you like that you want to give extra credit for, okay. or uh, as I like to call double dipping, if there's something that you like so much you want to give a little bit extra for. Um, for example, I gave one point of extra credit. For Natalie Portman, <laughs> which I don't normally double dip quite so blatantly, but since it was her first performance and it kickstarted her career, I thought that was worth extra credit. So I just gave an extra point for that. <laughs> um, I'm I'm good with uh, an extra point for Natalie in that movie. Uh, I really liked her from that moment on. I was kind of hooked on to her. Definitely helped. I'm teenage boy, teenage girl, you know. Yeah. That sort of thing. But uh, she had a she's had a really awesome career. Absolutely. And it started there, and she's done a, an assortment of roles. And even though she gets, uh, I feel like she gets crapped on for the Star Wars prequels. Yeah. As well as uh, Jane Foster and Thor. I think she gets crapped on a lot there, too. Yeah. And I don't know mm. how you can crap on her for that. Because, exactly. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Thor and Thor the Dark World were both crap. Ah, the first Thor is so good, though. I love the first Thor. <laughs> <laughs> the second one's awful, I'll give you that. I, I will not argue that. It is trash, but <laughs> I love the first one. <laughs> I know I'm in the minority, though. <laughs> I... I've watched all of the MCU movies, and I mean they all have their their ups and their downs, and especially for each trilogy that each character has. Yeah. Um, 
Ragnarok is just Thor's best. It is good. I don't know. I need to see it again because I had some issues with it, but I think I'll like it more on a second viewing. <laughs> I just felt like they, they turned everything into a joke. So it was like all this really serious character development stuff, and then it was just a joke. But I've heard some convincing arguments as to why that's wrong, so I'm excited to, to go back and watch it and <laughs> with an open mind because it is a good movie. It's very well written. He does have a very strong character arc, so I, I like it. But I just love the first one so much. <laughs> Although the love story is by far the weakest point. Which I think it, is, it is one of the reasons why, particularly why Natalie Portman gets crapped on. Is because, man, that love story is so forced. I like her character a lot, but there's no reason for her to feel the way she does about Thor. Certainly not for him to feel the way he does about her. I'm like, there. it was a flirtation at best. And then all of a sudden they're star-crossed lovers. But yeah, right. I digress. <laughs> Well, I mean, I get some of those points, but it's not like it's Natalie Portman's fault. Right, exactly. There's just so much with that entire movie that just kind of, eh. You know, and then same with the the Star Wars prequels. I don't think she was a, I don't think she was bad in there really at all. I thought she did a, a good to adequate job. Yeah, she did the best with what she was given and... But I think everybody did. It was just poor writing. <laughs> not, not everybody can be Ewan McGregor. Yeah. All right. Well, should we give our total scores for the movie then? Yeah. All right. Uh, what was your, what did your total come out to? 73.35. All right. That's pretty, pretty close to what I got. I got a, a 79.87. That was a pretty strong scores all around. This is definitely, definitely, like I said, a movie I would go back to and one I would probably recommend to people it definitely depends on the person it's not for everybody um but i think if you read the description and you you know a little bit about it and it sounds interesting to you as long as you know what you're getting into you'll probably like it i think that if you just generally like an action movie i think this is something that that you can definitely get behind yeah and even if it's even if you're not into like action movies a whole lot there's great story here there's a story to be told. Absolutely. I feel like the action is almost in the passenger seat in this movie. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, which is quite refreshing, especially for someone like me where action movies are not necessarily my favorite. Um, but I get it. the reason they're not usually my favorite is because character is typically ignored. And with this movie, it's all about characters and then the action gets you know put in the background. Yeah. Which is definitely refreshing. Absolutely. So what was your, before we wrap up, do you have any, any favorite parts of the movie or any parts that, that could have just been, been taken out completely and you would have been fine? Um, I, I could have done without the icky scenes. Yeah. Which, whether those are a part of the extended cut or not, I could have just generally done without. Um, for sure, the one with the hotel clerk, I could have definitely done without that one. Yeah, that one didn't even really serve a purpose to the... Pl- like, I thought he was going to call the it, police, and then the police were going to come, and then it's like, oh no, now the police know where we are, and it was going to, like, play a bigger part. I mean, it, it served a purpose in the sense that it forced them to move back to his apartment, but I felt like her she could have just been loud with her instrument, and that could have gotten them kicked out. Yeah. 
because they made that a point when they were checking in, you know, you can't play that past 10, we'll put you in the back corner where you're less likely to be noisy to other guests. Right. And that would have been an easy, easier, less disgusting way out of getting kicked out of the hotel. Right. Um, I thought it was kind of nice at the end when, I mean, granted, he, Gary Oldman's character did shoot him, you know, in the back, and Leon was probably going to die anyways, but he took him out, and uh, now Matilda gets to live on. Yeah. I thought the ending in general was just really strong between Leon's send-off and then the scene at the school. Um, it was just a really satisfying conclusion like I feel like it could have it was uh could have gone off the rails really easily and gone in a lot of different directions and and I thought that was a really solid way to to wrap up their relationship wrap up the the plot lines of the movie the revenge story like it just wrapped everything up very neatly without feeling overly convenient it's uh yeah very well crafted all right, well, was there anything else uh, you want to add for Leon the Professional, or should we wrap it up? I guess I have a question for you. Okay. In the age of sequels that we are in, and everything has to have a sequel almost now, and with your love of Natalie Portman, would you want to see her reprise her role as Matilda and fall into that line of work as a professional, or leave Leon the Professional one and done and that's it. That's a tough question. I kind of feel like it really doesn't need a sequel. And I know, I know Luke Besson wrote a sequel and it was like a matter of like, they were waiting for Natalie Portman to get a little bit older because it was like right after this movie came out. And then he went and formed his own studio and the other, the original studio still holds the rights and won't give it up. Like, it's become a whole thing. So it's like, oh, it's probably never going to happen. But I don't know if I want to see that character take up that life. I'm not, I don't know if I would want to see that sequel. I, I mean, I'm certain I would if it came out. <laughs> it's, you know, it's Natalie Portman. I would go see it. And I'm sure it would be right. brilliant. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I kind of don't feel like it's necessary. What about you? What are your feelings on that? I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm I'm good with it being just left alone, one and done. Uh, but at the same time, with some of the different world-building movies that I've seen over the years, maybe a sequel done correctly with Luke writing, directing, uh, Portman back, and under the right circumstances that gets her plunged into that role as a professional, I, I could maybe support it. Yeah. But... All in all, I say leave it leave it as it is, one and done. Yeah. But you never know with Hollywood. I feel like it would have happened by now, though it's been twenty five years. That's the other thing. I'm all for sequels. Like I'm not I'm not one to complain usually. I mean when it gets to a ridiculous point where it's like, Oh, we're into the eighth film and they're all kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, now I get yeah. what people are talking about. But in the last couple of years, we're in this new age where it's like, oh, remember that movie from 30, 40, 50 years ago? We're finally making a sequel. And I don't know how I feel about all those. Like, Yeah, or the reboots they want to do with some of these. Yeah. 
reboots and remakes. Yeah, I mean, I always go back and forth because it's one of those things, like like you were saying, if it's done right and the right people are involved, it can be something really good. But that's probably not what's going to happen. It's probably going to be Hollywood trying to make as much money as possible. And it's going to be bad. And I hate the cash grab movies. Yeah, they're the worst. I don't think anybody likes them, but yet they still make all this money. Oh. So then they keep making them and it's a cycle. <laughs> it is a vicious cycle. Yeah. All right. Well, then I think that's going to wrap everything up unless there was anything else you wanted to add. Uh, no, that's... That was it. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, sequel idea. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for for joining me and doing the podcast. This was really awesome. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Um, do you want to let everybody know where they can where they can find you and where they can listen to you? Uh, yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at hanging with the D, and you can find me on Podbean. Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and shortly iTunes. All right. And that's TV and Film Throwbacks with D. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for, for listening. And if you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. And also be sure to like, review, and share Nitty Gritty Reviews. This is the, the best way to support the show and will help us get more listeners. And we'll be sure to give you a shout out in our next episode to celebrate. And thank you for your support. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>